You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. Today's a particularly fun time because we have a guest preacher. I'm going to invite Pastor Antoine Payne to come up, join me on stage. Um, Pastor Antoine has become uh, a friend to me in our city. He pastors uh, Grace Beyond the Walls Church in Collington Square neighborhood of our city and just and he's going to share a little bit of a story too so I'm not going to take away his thunder but just doing tremendous work and y'all know we place a high value on the pulpit at our church Uh, we don't just let anyone kind of be up here so I hope you know that means um, I hold this man in some of the highest esteem he's a hero for me in our city doing tremendous work so can we um, thank God for him and just encourage him right now as he shares the word with us Amen. Good morning, everybody. God bless you. I bring you greetings from our church over in East Baltimore, Grace Beyond the Walls. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you on this morning. I do want to start off by saying I honor you. Never having met you physically, some of you, I honor you because I see you as an expression of the Father's heart. I don't say that lightly. This morning, I honor you. I honor what you mean to God's global plan and purpose for the earth as being a part of his heart, a part of his expression, a part of what God is doing in the earth today. For the few moments I have, I I pray that the spirit of God would, would have his way among us. Um, this morning, I want to speak from the text Ephesians chapter 4. I do quite a bit of reading. I believe that there's power in God's word, and I believe that sometimes just the the hearing of his word produces results. So I'll be reading at length um, from Ephesians chapter 4. And then later on, I'll do another lengthy reading from Ephesians chapter 2 and 3. So if you have your Bibles, would you join me in Ephesians chapter 4? I'll begin at the first verse. But I'll kind of focus in on verses 11 on. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 reads, I, therefore the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, Bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all. And in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. 
He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This morning, I want to speak from the theme, the topic, the necessity of the regional church in our local church context. Let us pray. God in heaven, we do honor you. We acknowledge that Jesus is the head of the church. We acknowledge that there's one body, there's one Lord, one God, one spirit, It all belongs to you. We are the full expression of your heart, where your hands, where your feet. We are your plan of redemption for it's in us and through us that you're accomplishing your will. So we honor you and we pray, God, that you be Lord among us on this day. It was in Jesus' name we pray and the church says amen. Again, my name is Antoine Payne, and I pastor a relatively small church in Collington Square. And this morning, as we think about the necessity of the regional church, I just want to take you on a little journey of of a little bit of my life, and, and not only mine, but even your life. Oftentimes, when we think of church, we think of our local context. Oftentimes we think of church, we think of a place we go once or twice a week. Oftentimes when we think of church, we think of um, a church plan of some sort. We, we sit down and we come up with all of our church planning ideas and strategies. We lay out our systems, our benchmarks, our budgets, our contingencies. We do all of our planning and, and then launch day comes. And we're off on our church planting mission. Life is good. We're excited. We're going to revive Baltimore. We're going to outpour in Govins. We're going to be an, an oasis in Santal. We're going to take God's grace beyond the walls in Collington Square. Usually we have our launch team in place, and at best, We have our denominational backing, but we set off with our game plan, 
and we get out in the field. We try all of our tricks and all of our strategies, and, and after we've exhausted everything we, we've been taught, we soon realize that we're up against something so much bigger. We realize that we're up against something that's so bigger than we are. We realize that what we've been called to do is much bigger than us. We, the church, is God's idea. The church is not something that man has conjured up. The church is not something that that we've invented. We, the church, is God's grand idea. The idea that he thought about before the foundation of the earth. Even before Adam sinned and and dishonored God and, and set the world into a course of death. God thought of you. He thought of us, the church. He thought of village church. And beyond. God has some thoughts about the church that are grand, that are enormous. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, For he himself, talking about Jesus, he himself is our peace. Who has made both one, talking about Jew and Gentile. He's made them one. Because for so long there was a divide. There was a division. Um, The Jews were God's covenant people and the Gentiles were strangers and aliens from the covenants of God. But the Bible says that he himself, talking about Jesus, he is our peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two. One of the awesome things that God has done in the church is that he's broken down every wall of division, every wall of separation. It's a miracle. It's supernatural. It's something that he's actually done. He created from all nations and nationalities of people, all social economic divides, all ethnic and and gender divides. He's he's broken down the walls of division. And in his idea of the church, he's gathered together all these scattered pieces to make one body that he refers to as the church. Glory. The Bible goes further to say that he himself made one new man from the two, thus making peace. The church is an awesome place. It's the one place in the universe where peace is. In spite of our backgrounds, in spite of our differences, in the church because of what Jesus himself has done, there's peace. And it's real peace. It's not the fickle kind of peace. It's deep. It's deeply rooted. It's peace. And that he himself reconciled them both to God in one body. 
through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, the division, the separation. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and and to those who were near. For through him, for through Jesus, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. The church is a grand idea. It's God's idea. The church is so much grander and, 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 and greater than our local establishments, than our local assemblies. The church is something that was originated in birth in the heart of God. The Bible goes further and says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. We as Gentiles, we're no longer strangers. We're no longer foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. God's view and perspective of the church is that we're his household. And he's our father. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. God's view of the church is that we're we're building, we're being built together, us individually. We're being uniquely built together to create one holy temple in whom you also are being built together. Here it is. For a dwelling place of God in the spirit. The church is the dwelling place of God in the spirit. The church is not some little creation of man's doing. The church is the one place in the earth where God has chosen to dwell and abide and express his heart to this earth. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, here it is, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, and it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. What is he saying? Paul is saying this, that this whole idea of the church is a mystery. A mystery that has been hidden for generations. A mystery that the apostles were appointed to disclose and, and reveal and make known. The church is a grand idea. The church is God's idea. The church is a mystery that embodies the very heart of God. 
And that's why I value you. That's why I honor you. Because we're a part of something that was birthed in the very heart of God. Paul goes further. And he says, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles. The, here it is. The unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages have been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. The church is a grand idea. The church is God's idea. The church is a mystery that embodies the very heart of God. This whole idea of the church has been hidden for most of history. It's not until these last generations that the revelation, the mystery of the church is being made known. And you and I have been chosen by God to be a part of that. Glory to God. Glory to God. Paul says in verse 10 of chapter 3, to the intent that now the it is, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known, listen here, by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is that saying? It's saying that, that, that through the church, through you and through me and, and through brothers and sisters being persecuted all over the world and brothers and sisters in Colleton Square and all through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known, is being unveiled. Watch this. Even to principalities and powers, In other words, even angelic beings, both angelic and demonic, spiritual entities and realms are are, are learning and and, and taking that cue from who? The church. There are things that angels and demons are clueless about. But the church, God is expressing himself and unveiling his will and his heart through us. I tell you, church, we're a part of something that's much grander than our little concept of church. We're his body, we're his expression, we're his heartbeat, we are his ambassadors. The Bible says that we're his family. And each one of us who are believers in Christ Jesus, we're members of his household. Glory. We're his building. We're lovely stones being built up into a spiritual house that we might offer to God spiritual sacrifices accepted through Jesus Christ. We are his holy temple. We are his field, the place where he does his planting. We are the bride of Christ. Just think of these are biblical titles that God give of his own church. And each one of these titles carry a a depth and a weight of glory. 
are his royal priesthood. What's the implication there? That you and I have the authority and the responsibility to do what we just did here today, which is intercede on behalf of the nations and the world. Glory to God. We're the salt of the earth. The church is the salt of the earth. Trust and believe. The earth remains because the church is here. This country remains because the church is here. Through us, God is preserving the culture. Scripture refers to the church as unleavened bread. Where God's planted. We're ambassadors of Christ. We're the people of God. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're the very elect of God. We're the light of the world. But then the Bible says that we, the church, are the pillar or is the pillar and ground of the truth. You get that? The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Meaning, if you want to find truth, where do you go? You go to the church. The church, we're called to uphold the truth. To be the foundation and ground of truth. So when the world is in an uproar, with all of its division, it's the church that stands sure-footed. And upholds the truth. We can't be pulled down as was said earlier. We can't be dragged back down to our partisan issues and ways. God has called you and I to a much grander place. We're the pillar and ground of the truth. Like the Apostle Paul, my journey has, been, has not been traditional at all. My personal journey has not been conventional. I did not come through universities and, or seminaries. Rather, I was pursued by the hound of heaven. At a time when I was doing anything but seeking God, I was in prison. I was guilty. And I was shamed. 21 days after I graduated high school, a year ahead of my class, In several weeks, shot of going into the United States Army, I shot and almost killed the mother of my child. I shot her nine times. And I shot her mother four times. I was 17 years old. I wasn't seeking God. I was running from God. I would spend the next 14 years of my life in prison from ages 17 to 31. And that became my seminary. It was in that place that I got to know Jesus for myself. It was in that place that he radically invaded my life and showed me the depth of my humanity and my depravity. I will go on to literally see thousands of other men transformed by the power of God's grace. 
At age 31, I was released with a fire to help other men who were transformed to come home to bring revival to our inner city. In my thinking, who better to go back into the broken places of our inner city than those who helped break them in the first place? Those who have been, who have had an encounter with the risen Savior. That was my aim. That was my mission. And for the last 10 years, we've been laboring night and day to see this come to fruition. And don't misunderstand me. There have been many successes and victories along the way. But it wasn't about, it wasn't until about two years ago that I realized that I, I, I can't do this. God, I'm insufficient. God, I can't take this people any further. I was in the service and I was preaching my heart out. And I don't usually do this, but this particular day, I felt compelled to invite the whole congregation to the altar. And I began to pray and anoint each person with all you, something I, I rarely ever do. And right in the midst of me praying for the congregation, I felt like I hit a ceiling. I felt like, God, I done poured out everything. I've done everything you've taught me to do. I can't take this people any further. We go out into the streets and and we pray for people and, and we see people addicted and we see the crime and we see the blight, we see the deprivation all around us. And it seems like our efforts are are useless. We beg and plead with people to to turn your life over and and, and turn to Jesus. And we give away food and and we help people. We provide help. We do all sorts of things. But still, God, our efforts seem to be ineffective. It was then that God started burning my heart with a desire to be connected with the larger body of Christ. It was then that I, I didn't question my call. I know that I was called to pastor. But the Bible is very clear. And now reading this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says very clearly in verse 11, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What is he saying? He's saying this, that Jesus, when he died and when he rose again, He left gifts for the church. In this dispensation of grace that we find ourselves, in this dispensation of the church that we find ourselves, Jesus himself has left gifts to profit us all. And when we limit ourselves to some of these gifts, we limit our ability to affect the change that Christ has called us to affect. 
I started yearning, Pastor Dan, to be connected to my brothers and my, my sisters who are gifted otherwise. It was then that I realized that grace beyond the walls is not the church in its entirety. We're just part of the greater church, the ecclesy of the called out ones, the body of Christ. We're part of God's expression. We have a very important part to play, but we ourselves is not the full expression. Village Church, I just exhort you this morning to know that you're a very special part of God's plan. A very special part of God's heart. You're a very special expression. You add something to the body that the other parts don't add. You're needed. You're valuable. Glory to God. But it never was God's intent for you to be the church in its entirety. Glory. You're called to be part of of the larger working of God. The Bible says that when Jesus ascended, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. With those gifts, he gave a corresponding grace. There's a grace on this church, on this assembly. There's a grace here that God has called you to do a work that the grace of God qualifies you to do. It gives you the capacity to do. I encourage you to identify what that grace is and run in that lane hard. Village Church, I encourage you to know that you are part of God's solution in the world. Church is so much more. Village Church is so much more than a weekly assembly. But God is up to something here. Glory. Village Church, please know that you are part of God's solution in the world. Collectively, you're contributing something to what God is doing in the world. Number two, I want to encourage you this morning to continue to look beyond your church and denominational boundaries and look for real and genuine koinonia. Look for real and genuine fellowship with the larger body of Christ. Because you're part of a larger body, look for real opportunities to get with brothers like like the Thread um, Ministry. As we participate in real fellowship, as we participate in, in real sharing and participation, giving and taking, as we participate in the larger body of work that's going on, we exponentially enhance all of our work. Glory to God. Glory to God. When we moved our small church in, in Collington Square, there were all kind of looming questions of, of, is it wise to, to, to plant a, a, a young church into a community with so much need? All kind of questions surrounded us. We didn't have a mother church. We didn't go to textbook way. We didn't have a denominational backing. Is it wise to put a small, barely making a church into a community like this? But over the years, God is revealing his wisdom 
And his wisdom is grace beyond the walls. It's not the church in its entirety. There are more who are with us than those who are against us. And as we participate with the larger body of Christ, what we can't do and accomplish in and of ourselves, we can do and accomplish because of our relationships with the larger body of Christ. So number one, know that you're part of God's solution in the world. Number two, continue to look beyond your church and denominational boundaries for a real and genuine koinonia or fellowship. Number three, Connect with and be open to the gifts that Christ has left for his church. Connect with other gifts that are not here. Glory to God. The Bible says that one of the gifts he gave to the church are apostles. And I understand the theological conflict that has gone on for generations. But the Bible says that he's left apostles in his church. And one of the working of an apostle is not only to establish the church, but the apostles were able to lay hands. The apostolic gift can lay hands and impart spiritual gifts. Paul prayed over Timothy, and it was through the land on the hands of the elders that gifts were imparted in order to deal with the demons and principalities in Baltimore and Hamden and to whatever God has called us to. We need spiritual endowment. Our human wit and psychology is insufficient. A couple days ago, I had a guy strung out on drugs. He wanted help, and I wanted to help. But I don't have the capacity in and of my humanity to help him. I want to be able to give him more than a track or give him more than meet us here on Wednesday. Jesus Christ, whose body we are, affected change. And we're called to affect change. So connect with other gifts that will lift and elevate your church to another level. I'm not talking about no spooky foolishness. I'm talking about real, genuine, biblical teaching. We need the gifts that Jesus has left for his church. Glory to God. Because those gifts have been left to equip us all for the work of the ministry. There are gifts here in Village Church that are intended to be a blessing to Village Church, but not only Village Church, to other churches beyond. Because there's one body, one church, one Lord, one God. We're in this together. And lastly, number four, each member, look for your individual function within this church, within this assembly. If you're here, God has you here to receive, but also to give. There are gifts in your hands, talents, abilities that come from God that he's entrusted to you for you to use in his service right here in this church, in this community. I encourage you to explore that. I encourage you to find out the next steps. I encourage you 
to get active because the body will only grow as each member does its part. As each member performs and fulfills its function, the body will grow. Glory to God. Each member, look for your individual function within this church. But village church, look for your unique function within the larger body of Christ. One thing I know and I encourage you, the work that you've done and and are doing with with, with movements like ethnos and beyond, I encourage you to continue. You have a place in the larger scheme of things, in the larger plan of God. You have been sovereignly and divinely planted in this hour, in this region for such a time as this. And I encourage you to look for your unique function within the larger body of Christ. All in all, I'm simply saying that there is a need. What I sense God saying in this hour is there's a need for us to be more sensitive and aware of the regional church and grow beyond our idea of the small local church. The local church is critical. It's necessary. But it's even more critical to understand that we're part of a greater expression. To God be the glory. God bless you and thank you for your time.